Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In chapter 7 of his treatise on the anger of God, Lactantius is going to make a sort of brief discursus into a really central philosophical problem that has been discussed throughout the ages before him and after him. And it's this, what is the nature of human beings by contrast or perhaps even by opposition to other animals. And so the chapter is actually titled On Human Beings and Brute Animals. Brute meaning those lacking speech, reason. And then it's titled Or Religion. Ac religione, right? So religion is going to play a really central role in this discussion. But first we start out by thinking about the topic more broadly. And he says that philosophers, no matter how goofy, crazy their ideas are, no matter how poorly equipped they are for figuring these things out, like he says, though philosophers have often turned aside from reason through their ignorance of the truth and fallen into inextricable errors, that is likely to happen to travelers ignorant into the way, not confessing that they're ignorant. None of them are so ignorant as to say that we human beings are just animals like every other animal. We differ in some important way or ways from the other animals. And then Lactantius goes on from this and he says, there's actually something divine within us human beings. And what is that? Well, he brings up a couple things and probably the most interesting one of which is, is he says that there's an affinity, a cognatio, a being related between us and the divine God in terms of possessing the virtues of the soul and the mind, right? So it's our moral capacities, you could say, and our intellectual capacities that make us not the same as God, but not even close to God, but at least more like God than the other animals. Then he brings up an argument that is at best what could we say? Confirming it's not one that would really hold up on its own. And I personally don't consider it a particularly on point argument. But, you know, he says that does not the position of the body itself, our being upright, standing on two legs, and the fashion of the countenance, the face, right, the form of it, doesn't this actually signify to us or declare that we are not on a level with the dumb creation, the brute animals, their nature is prostrated to the ground and to their pasture and has nothing in common with the heaven which they do not look upon. Okay, yeah, I mean, animals crawl around on four or six or whatever number of legs. Some of them don't crawl around at all because they don't have arms and legs like oysters. Is the fact that we stand erect and can look at the heavens... Does that really separate us off from the other animals? I don't 
think that's a very good argument, but he does make that. And then he moves on to things that are a little bit more plausible. He says that because of this erect position, and we compare our features with God. Now, we could do this while we're sitting down. We could do this while we're lying down, right? So we actually, as he says, reason recognizes reason. And cognoskit from cognoskere is the word there to see something of ourselves or something like ourselves in God and, and vice versa, right? The other animals don't appear to engage in that sort of activity. And we could also say, I mean, we recognize similarities between us and other animals as we're going to talk about in a bit. So he asks then, well, what is peculiar? What is propria in the Latin? What is specific to human beings as opposed to other animals, Right? And we could go through all sorts of other interesting features, but he starts to zero in on the things that philosophers typically talk about now. So speech, sermo, being able to communicate with each other. Okay, that seems distinctive, doesn't it? I mean, animals have communication, but they don't actually have words, do they? And produce sentences and write books about that sort of thing. Well, he says that a lot of these things that appear to be peculiar to human beings, speech appears to be peculiar to human beings, but in this, there's a certain resemblance to speech on the part of the other animals. Why? They distinguish one another by their voices. When they're angry, they send forth a sound resembling altercation. When they see one another after an interval of time, they show the office of congratulation by their voice, right? To us, their voices appear uncouth, or you could say unformed, inarticulate, as ours perhaps do to them, but to themselves who understand each other, those are words, right? So he says, in every affection, they utter distinct expressions of voice by which they may show their state of mind. And, you know, given what we know now about animals as well, they communicate communicate with each other, not just through voice, but through bodily posture, through other things like pheromones, you know? So communication, not unique to human beings. We don't really understand animal communication. They understood it much less in Lactantius' time, but it's enough for him to say, yeah, that's not what makes us distinctively what we are, distinctively human. What about, and you might say, well, where's this coming from? Laughter. Well, this was another thing that was viewed very often as a proprium, a specific feature of human beings. We have a sense of humor. We laugh about stuff. We play jokes. And so he says, true, but we see certain indications of joy in other animals when they use passionate gestures with a view to playing, hang down their ears, contract their mouth, smooth their forehead, relax their eyes to sportiveness, right? So they engage in something kind of like laughter and showing humor, right? What about reason? Okay, so this is where philosophers are typically going to go, right? We are the rational animal. That is the distinctive thing about us. And Lactantius is actually going to say reason, ratio, and planning for the future, providentia. This is definitely unique to human beings, right? And he says, well, no. There are animals which open several outlets in different directions from their lairs. So if any danger comes upon them, an escape may be open for them shut in. But they wouldn't do this unless they possessed intelligence and reflection. Isn't it interesting? A lot of philosophers would attribute that just to instinct. Ah, they just know what they're doing. Lactantius is willing to say, no, nah, they're thinking about this. They plan it out. They actually adjust to circumstances, right? He goes on and he says, others are actually provident for the future. 
look at bees, right? Or ants, the sort of common animals that furnished examples of social creatures, right? And he goes on, he says, it would be a long task if I traced out the things most resembling the skill of the human being, which are accustomed to be done by the separate tribes of animals, but they do them. So maybe we do them better, but they're not unique to human beings. So what actually is unique to us? Here he says, religion. Religio, the acknowledgement and worship and connection to something divine, something greater than us. And, you know, he says this a little bit earlier on that this is the thing that is unique to us. And then he goes on here and he says, religion is the only thing of which no trace, nec vestigium aliquod, can be found in other animals. Now, it's up to us in the present, given what we know about animal behavior, to say, is that really true or not? Certainly in his time, there wasn't a lot of evidence for animals engaging in anything that resembles religion. And so he is willing to say, this is what is really unique to us human beings. And this is tied in with our, not just knowledge of God, but our connection to God, our distant similarity to God. And it's also connected with justice and wisdom being unique to human beings. Here he says something very strong. Justice is peculiar to religion and to this no other animal attains. Human being alone bears rule. The other animals are subjected to him. So this is a typical, you know, Christian worldview. Actually, not just Christian. The Stoics also held, held something similar, that the rational creation is above the irrational creation, which exists for its, its sake. And he says, the worship of God is ascribed to justice. He who does not embrace this, being removed from the nature of the human being, will live the life of the brutes. But we differ from the other animals almost in this respect alone. We perceive the divine might and power. In the others, there's no understanding of God. Understanding is the key thing there, right? It's surely impossible that the dumb animals should have more wisdom or human nature should be unwise, since all living creatures in the whole system of nature are subject to the human being on account of wisdom. So reason, if reason, if the force of man in this respect excels and surpasses the rest of living creatures in as much as he alone is capable of the knowledge of God. It's, it's evident that religion can in no way be overthrown. Now, can there is like the shouldn't be because the next passage after that, the next chapter is those Epicureans are going to overthrow religion, right? So obviously it is possible to some extent to do that. Now, later on in chapter 12, he's going to come back to this theme. It's called of religion and the fear of of God. And he says that if religion is taken away, neither wisdom nor justice can be retained. They all kind of hang together as being part of this complexus that is what is truly distinctive to us human beings, where we are different than the rest of the animals and in some respect connected with or in a affinity with God. Why is this the case? He says that wisdom, because the understanding understanding of the divine nature in which we differ from the brutes found in human beings alone, right? Justice, because unless God who cannot be deceived restrains our desires, we're going to live wickedly and impiously. Therefore, that our actions should be viewed by God pertains not only to the usefulness of common life, but even to the truth. 
If religion and justice are taken away, we then descend to the senselessness of the herds, herd animals, or the savageness of the beasts. We become the worst of all animals. Here we see something that is kind of a reference to Aristotelian ideas that human beings, the best of animals, if reason's taken away or what's distinctive to us, we become the worst of animals. But in this case, it's religion that is going to be at the center of this. So Lactantius thinks that religion is really what is distinctive to us human beings. These other things, speech, laughter, reason, and planning. There's some resemblance, some similitudo between human beings and the non-rational animals, but they don't possess religion, wisdom, and justice, which we can possess, not necessarily do possess. We have to work towards that. So that's where he thinks the fundamental division or distinction between humans and all the other animals resides. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.